Chapter 4, Class 60, Yoga of Renunciation of Action in Wisdom. And we're going to start topic 4 today, the 12 Yagniyas, 12 Sacrifices. So this fourth topic talks about acting in the spirit of service and sacrifice. This is the spirit of Yagniya. What does that mean? Anyone? What does that mean? Acting in the spirit of service and sacrifice. Any idea? How should you act? Yeah, whenever. Uh, like, is it that you exhausting your vasanas? Simple. Okay. Simple. <laughs> One word. Selflessly. Unselfishly. When you act in the spirit of servant sacrifice, you're acting unselfishly. Without your ego. The opposite of this is acting selfishly. We all know how to do that. As human beings, we naturally seem to act with this idea of what's in it for me. If I do this, how do I benefit? I benefit this way? Okay, fine. No, I don't benefit, then I ain't doing it. Self-centered. This is the opposite. Your ego comes in the way. This is the right way. You should do it this way. I think I know better than you. You are wrong. I am right. This is your ego. That is acting unselfishly. That's the that is the spirit of service and sacrifice, spirit of yajna. What is acting selfishly with your ego? You don't need any knowledge to understand that. We all know that. So, what is yajna, yajna, the ritual itself? What is that? We covered it yesterday. I mean, last week. Sorry. I covered it yesterday, but <laughs> we covered it last week. Can anyone explain the process of fire worship? So, no, we can see you perfectly well, by the way. What is this ritual, Yagniya? Fire worship. Yeah, Emma. When you're offering the grains and ghee, clarified butter to the fire god. So what's the actual ritual? What is the actual ritual? 
representing all humans. I represent all humans. So there's a kund made of bricks or metal. Fire is created. You put some wood in there. Fire is created. You set a group like a family performs, uh, invites fellow friends, family. Bring some. They also bring some grains, ghee, they, and they offer ghee grains to the fire. You may be chanting some shlokas while you're doing that, or some prayers. So when you put in the grains, the ghee, the fire shoots up. The fire is kindled, we say. And the people worship the fire. And when the fire shoots up, you're blessed by the fire. Simple as that. You put some grains, ghee, fire shoots up, you're blessed by the fire. When the fire is burnt out, what is left is ashes, and the ritual ends there. Thereafter, the pandit takes the ashes and gives some to everyone, and they make three stripes on their forehead. This represents tamas, rajas, sattva. Help me to rise above these three gunas. Help me to aspire to reach the fourth state. That is the ritual in simple terms. Everyone's done it once in their lifetime. If you're married, you've done it. That means you've done it. Any questions on that? Yeah, everyone happy with that? Now we said in the last class that to reach the goal of self-realization, prayer cannot be a part-time practice. 20 minutes in the morning, every day. A visit to the temple every week, not enough. In fact, those of you who do this, if you're truthful to yourself, prayer has become a mechanical a ritual in your life, mechanical ritual. It's like you break up, brush your teeth, shower, do the prayers, in whichever way you have learned to do it, have breakfast, get on with the rest of the day. That's it. This is how everyone does it. Correct? Probably no longer has an effect on you anymore after you finished. It's just a part of a routine. Now, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It's better to remember God for that 20 minutes in the morning than not at all. So what they're saying is prayer has to be a full-time affair. A constant awareness of Brahman, God. But this is impractical. It's impractical to do this. There's so many responsibilities in life, work, family, etc. Every day we have a routine. How can we remember God in everything? True, Anita? It's difficult. So this yagnia, acting in the spirit of sacrifice, what this allows us to do is convert all our activities into prayer and worship. Whatever you're doing, even brushing your teeth, you're converting that into prayer and worship. Now, isn't that a really good idea? Then we can remember God in everything. In every action we try, we remember Brahman. We try to act unselfishly and remember the self. I'm not this body, mind, and intellect. I'm the self. That's the whole idea. This is what this topic is covering. 
So what these great sages did was divide all human activities into 12 sections. And they divinized them, made them spiritual. So everything you do, you can turn it into a spiritual exercise. Whatever action you are performing, you have an awareness of God. You're listening to your children crying. You're thinking of God. How is that possible? You hear music, you're thinking of God. You see something, whatever it may be, you're thinking of God. You're working, cooking, driving, you're thinking of Brahman, God. So then you have a constant awareness. You're constantly thinking of Brahman, God. And therefore all actions become divinized of prayer. Does that make sense? Huh? How do we do this? So this is what we're going to cover. Any questions? Deepavin? Good? You're arguing with your partner, thinking of Brahman. That's an art in itself. That one we'll cover at the end. So we're going to do verse 24 again because we only touched upon this verse last week. Yeah? This first one verse, if you get it, it's finished. You know everything. Brahma Panam Brahma Habib Brahma No Brahma Nahutam Brahma Vatena Gandavyam Brahma Karma Samadina Brahma Panam Brahma Habib Brahmagno Brahmana Hutam Brahmevatena Gantavyam Brahmakarma Samadina. The act of offering is Brahman. The oblation is Brahman. Offered by Brahman in the fire of Brahman. By seeing Brahman in action, Brahman verily shall be reached by him. what this verse is explaining, it's talking about the ritual again, and it's saying everything is Brahman in the ritual. The person offering is also Brahman, the fire is Brahman. What this verse is explaining, as Dharma said last week, everything in this world we experience is God. Everything is Brahman. How is that possible? When you say God is around us all, Everything is God, it's saying. It's not around us. Everything is God. How is that possible? Any idea? How can that be? That everything is Brahman. These great sages say that this world is a superimposition on that reality. Brahman, God. This world is a superimposition on that reality, Brahman, God. What does this word superimposition mean? Well, it's hard to explain it. It's better to give it as an example. It's saying this world is Brahman. So then why don't we see God? Why don't we see Brahman? This is the basics. Why don't we see Brahman? Why do we see this world? Dhanush, any idea? Why do we see? Yeah. 
we're brought up to see certain aspects of God only. Okay. I, we've been educated to see a brick as a brick, not not God has made that brick. So we only see <laughs> what we've been taught. Hmm. What else? Yeah. How when is that? Because of our vastness, we can't see God because of the clouding that we have around us. Because obviously, if we had no vastness, then we would see God, right? Because. But to see God, you need something else. You need knowledge of God. Yeah, we need knowledge of God. It's because of our ignorance, our lack of knowledge of God, that we don't see God and we see the world. See, those who do see God instead of this world, they're the self-realized souls. And they, they can't explain it to us. They try and they try to explain this great sages, written books and everything. Yeah, Vanita? It's because the, there is no wording. It's, I presume it's some kind of feeling or some sense, isn't it, that you feel and we're not on that vibration to feel that yet because we haven't reached there basically we haven't reached there so but what we're saying is that we only we don't even understand that this world is god yeah we don't even have that understanding we see the world for what it is so these great sages they try to explain to us but we're so wrapped up in this superimposition which is the world we don't want to and cannot understand anything else. They try and they try. It's like they're speaking a different language. So there's an example given to explain what this superimposition means. Why we see the world and not God. We say it's our ignorance. We've done this example before, but it's it, this example is is one of the very few examples that helps you understand why we see the world and not God. So listen carefully. There's a rope lying in the garden. Yeah. You're not aware that there is a rope lying in the garden. And when you go to the garden in the dark, you mistake the rope for a snake. Yeah, is everyone with me? There's a rope in the garden, and you're not aware of it. Anita Ben, you come running in the house to your husband, Sunil. I just saw a snake in the garden. Sunil, I saw a snake in the garden. What does Sunil say? It can't be. There can't be a snake in our garden. Even Kaspar hides in the corner when he hears the word snake. Their dog. Then Sunil asks Anita, how long was it? He's an accountant, he wants figures. How long was it? It's about six feet long. What color was it? It's brown. How thick was it? About that thick, four inches thick. Now, because Anita Ben is not aware of the rope, she has no knowledge of the rope. She's ignorant of the rope. She projects and sees a snake. Because of a lack of understanding that there was a rope there, she sees a snake. 
This is called a superimposition. This is what this word means. It's hard to explain without an example. Sunil dropped the rope there before, so he knows it's not a snake, it's a rope. He has knowledge of that. He's not worried. Only when Anita sees that rope, then she knows that it's not a snake, it's a rope. You all with me? Vijay Simple example. So in the same way, because of our ignorance, our lack of knowledge of Brahman, the reality, we superimpose this world on the reality to the spirit, Brahman, God. We don't see Brahman, God, because a lack of understanding of what Brahman is. So we see the world. Is that clear, the example? Once a self-realized soul tells you about Brahman and you're on the same level, then you will see God instead of the world. So therefore, in this verse, it is saying, everything we see, everything we perceive with our five senses in this world is Brahman, the reality, God. So when we do this yagnya, fire worship, it's saying everything is Brahman, the fire, the grains, the person offering, everything is Brahman. Any questions? Remember that example. When you're ignorant of something, you can see anything. Emma, can you read paragraph one, please? This verse equates the different aspects of the fire worship yagna to the supreme god Brahman. The yagna ritual consists of offering the oblation in the form of grains or clarified butter to the fire god. The offering in the oblation, the fire, every aspect of the ritual indicates Brahman and Brahman alone. The ritual represents all human activities. All are nothing but Brahman alone. Beings are Brahman. All their activities are Brahman. Their goals in life are Brahman. All are Brahman because the entire world is nothing but a projection of Brahman. Just as the entire dream world is a projection of the waker's mind. One ray of the waker's mind becomes the dreamer. Another ray of the mind becomes a sun in the dream. Another, the moon, the stars, the flora and the fauna of the dream. There is nothing in the dream which is not the waker's mind. Similarly, this whole world is a superimposition upon Brahman. The substratum of the world is nothing but all-pervading Brahman. Just as when you have a dream, everything in the dream is the projection of your mind, isn't it? Everything in the dream. Your husband is one fiber of the mind, your children another fiber, your house your business, your car, everything in your dream is a fiber of your mind. In a dream, you're working, fighting, doing service, killing someone, whatever you're doing. Is anything in the dream real? It's just a projection of your mind. Everything the dreamer is experiencing in the dream is nothing but the mind. So it's saying, 
Similarly, everything you experience in this waking world, your partner, children, your profession, home, car, business, bank balance, everything is Brahman, God. And just like everything that you experience in the dream vanishes, disappears, when does it disappear? When everything in the dream disappears? Vinita? When you wake from the when dream. When you wake up. When the alarm goes off and you wake up, everything in the dream is gone. So in the same way, this world that you're experiencing will only disappear and you'll see Brahman when you wake up. And this is the fourth state, which is what we call self-realization, God-realization. And this is what we're studying. Hmm? Fourth state is called Turiya. Turiya means fourth in Sanskrit. When you get to that state, you no longer see the world. Everything experienced, you understand, is God, Brahman. You now see the rope instead of the snake. Not until you reach that state. Any questions? See if you understand everything is Brahman, everything is the same as me, then there's no conflicts ever. You respect everyone the same way you respect yourself. So this, this prayer, as I said to you last week, we chant it in the ashram before every meal. Because we get involved in the senses. When you eat food, you get involved in the food. This pizza is really good. This biryani is so tasty. Yeah, you get involved in the food. But when you chant the prayer before the meal, it makes the meal sattvic. It reminds you that you're eating food to get to Brahman. That is why you're eating the food. So it helps you on your journey to reach that fourth state. Any questions? So even the meal. Hema, uh, could you finish off the last verse, please? Verse 24 is actually chanted as a prayer before meals so that one does not forget the presence of Brahman. While enjoying the senses, it helps in remembering while eating that food is only to enable one to reach the ultimate goal of Brahman. The following verses take up each activity and show how each can be converted into worship. Worship or prayer must be constant. It is not a part-time occupation of an idle mind. It is the concentrated awareness of a dynamic mind upon reality. That awareness must be maintained all through the day, all through the year, all through your life till you gain self-realization. Thank you. There you go. So any questions? That finishes topic three and it, it introduces us to topic four, which is the 12 yagniyas, sacrifices. What is this 12 yagniyas? Let's have a look what it says in the summary. Twelve 
12 yagniya, sacrifices. Yagniya in the ancient past merely meant the ritual of fire worship. People worship the fire god by kindling the flames with their offerings. Krishna gives a new interpretation to yagniya, such that it can be applied to daily life. With this interpretation, he makes it possible for seeker to convert his worldly actions into worship. The cycle of human activity starts with receipt of stimuli by the organs of action, continues as reaction within the mind and intellect, and ends with response back into the world with the organs of action. This entire cycle has been split into 12 main activities, each of them turned into a ritual, a worship, a yajna. Those who understand this and make their daily activities a practice of these yajnas will free themselves of their vasanas and desires. So that's a summary of the next topic. So you, so you all understand what we're going to be talking about. So verse 25. Deva meva pare yajnam yogina paryupasate brahmagnava pare yajnam Yajne nevo pajuvati Deva meva pare yajnam Yogina paryupasate Brahmagnava pare yajnam Yajne nevo pajuvati Some yogis perform sacrifice to gods. Others perform sacrifice by offering sacrifice itself in the fire of Brahman. Some yogis perform sacrifice to gods. Others perform sacrifice by offering sacrifice itself in the fire of Brahman. See, it's all uh, so um, difficult to understand. In the English that we speak now, it's difficult to understand. Scriptic. What is it saying? Yagna is the ritual of fire worship, we've covered this, has been practiced from ancient times to now. We already explained, we worship the fire god. When you offer the grains, the kindles, the flames, the, god, the fire god blesses you. So this topic explains how we can internalize this ritual and apply it to our daily life by converting all worldly actions into worship. So there's a yajna going to be happening inside us constantly. I know it sounds complicated, and this topic is a little bit difficult to understand, yeah? But we'll try our best. So would you read paragraph one and two? The fourth topic includes verses 25 to 30. It describes 12 broad classifications of yajna covering the entire cycle of human activity. The cycle begins with receipt of stimuli from the world and ends finally with response back into the world. The following figure depicts these 12 yadnas. This is the 12 yadnas. Yajna means sacrifice. The sacrificial activity 
may be directed towards a limited or an absolute ideal. All activities, whatever the goal, begin with perception by the sense organs, continue with various reactions in the mind and intellect, and end with responses through the organs of action. This chapter encapsulates these activities as 12 yajnas. Yajna denotes the conversion of any activity into worship. Each and every activity becomes a prayer, an oblation, an offering into the fire of Brahman, the supreme reality. So just as we put brains and ghee in the fire, yeah, we're offering all our activities to the fire, fire being Brahman within us. So these are the 12 yajnas we're covering. These 12 yajnas in this topic over the next six verses covers these 12 yajnas. You see in the middle, it says one limited ideal. Yeah, everyone can see that, yeah? Limited ideal. And then two, it says absolute ideals. These two are covered in this verse, yeah? Limited ideal, absolute ideal. Then we got perception number three, restraint number four, yoga of self-control number five. These are then covered in the next verses. So today we're going to cover these two. Limited ideal, absolute ideal. So what is it saying? Uh, Ravi, thank you. Thank you. So there are two types of yajnas. One is directed to devas, gods with an S. These are limited ideas, worldly goals, wealth, knowledge, Gods are portrayed to represent these ideals, worldly goals, such as wealth and knowledge. Pray to Goddess Saraswati for knowledge. Let my son, daughter pass their coming exam. Limited goal. Let me get this job that I'm going for interview tomorrow. Pray to Goddess Lakshmi. Let my business flourish this year. Let me win the lottery. Limited goal. Pray to Ganesha. To Ganesh Puja, let there be no obstacle, obstacles in my daughter's wedding. Limited goal. Pray to Lord Hanuman, give me the strength to tackle this situation that I'm having. Limited goal. Mike, could you hear me there, by the way? Okay, Mike was still turned around. I want to study Vedanta. This Anikitva is teaching this knowledge. Limited material goal. You can study and nothing, do nothing about it, material goal. So these are yajna that we perform for limited goals in life as a human being in the world. And does everyone understand that, limited goals? Any questions? Is that all clear, Kevil? The other yajna is absolute ideal absolute goal of life, which is what? What is the absolute goal of life? 
and be self-realized. Be self-realized. I want to become self-realized. Why is this? Why is there limited goals and absolute goals? Why not just teach everyone about Brahman? Why have these limited gods? Any idea? Why have these limited gods? Yeah, Dramesh? You need to start somewhere in your life. You haven't found God or you don't know God. You need to have the first step on the ladder to understand there is a greater being in life. Then you understand that behind a greater being than one being. Okay. What else? With your limited ideal, you attract, you're attracted to that deity, that God, because of your what you want from it. And then that's where you, that's a stepping stone, isn't it? So if you're praying to uh, Goddess Saraswati, then you're, you're attracting something towards that God. That's, that's where it start, starts from, doesn't it? Yeah. It's like a tool, isn't it, to get to somewhere. True, true. In, in a way, it's a positive thing because one day they might say, who is this goddess Saraswati? You know, um, see, these great saints, they saw that teaching everyone about Brahman, the absolute goal, God, it was pointless. They didn't have the temperament because most human beings' minds went towards the world. The five senses are so strong. Then the world pulls you so strongly and everyone's minds were going to the world. How can they teach them about Brahman? Don't see the world, it's Brahman. You can't, you tell the, everyone, they don't understand. What are you talking about? I can see. This is world is world, not Brahman. How can you educate them? So this saints saw where all the human beings' minds went. It went towards the world. Everyone aspired for worldly objects and beings. We tell them about Brahman self-realization, they cannot think of this. They're too interested in the worldly pursuits. When over I'm 60, I'll think of Brahman. When I'm 70, when I'm retired, I'll think of Brahman. Until then, leave me. I've got a lot to do in the world. So these great sages, very cleverly, they invented these gods is gods with an S at the end. They invented this concept. So whenever a person's mind, wherever a person's mind went, they planted a God. At least even when they are looking to get worldly things, they don't forget God. Otherwise you forget completely. So these gods are there to attain worldly pursuits, your worldly goals. At least you're praying to someone, some entity to say, help me get this. Now, 99% of yogis, meaning religious spiritual seekers are called yogis, are of this category. 99% limited goals. Pray to gods. They don't know any different. Any questions? They're all limited gods. Limited helps you get limited goals. So we're not saying it's right or wrong. We're not doing it. We're just analyzing what's happening in the world. 
from from beginning of time, ninety nine percent. Any idea why? Yeah, Winter. Does it come back to the limited ideal that they have about the God? Yeah. It's so easy to do that. So we're all studying the Gita. I'm not saying they may be studying the Gita as well, by the way. Yeah, I'm sure everyone, even people who pursue limited goals and pray to gods and goddesses, they all have the Gita as well. We see with the we're studying the Gita, how difficult it is to learn this. How difficult it is. One hour we cover one, maybe two verses. How much effort it takes. Some of it's mind-boggling. One hour listening to me can be torture at times. I know. Very few people can do this. And I commend you all. Not easy to stay focused. Takes a lot of effort. That's why 99% of people cannot do it. Cannot do it. Hence, gods and goddesses. Any questions? Yeah, so. If I'm thinking about having faith, if I have faith, am I having faith in my limited goal of God? So am I having faith in Brahman? You have to answer that question, I don't know. Faith, 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 faith that even if I'm learning this knowledge, yeah. I've taken the first step. Um, the the outcome I'm not in control of, the outcome will be what it is. I just have to put in the effort. But that faith that I might just get there one lifetime, mm. is that my faith in Brahman that he'll help me or is that my faith in... Anybody answer that? Yeah, I think it's it's dependent on on what your ideal is, right? If it's a limited ideal, your faith would be in the devas. If it's an absolute ideal, your faith would be in Brahman. That's it. Perfect answer. Depends what your goal is. If it's, if it's self-realization, yeah. it might not be this lifetime, but the fact that I've taken a step towards it. Or wanting to take a step towards it, I may not even be. I've not, might not have even taken the first step, but my mind might think it has. So it depends. When you say I've got faith, okay, it depends on the goal, as Kevin said. You have faith in the gods and goddesses. Please let my the, my daughter's wedding go properly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you have to cover this because you're confused in the sense. Yeah, you have to cover the faith they have is in Ganesha will help will take any obstacles away. Yeah, you're having faith in that. That's why you're doing the puja. Now you have faith that I want to reach 
is my spiritual goal of self-realization. You're now having faith in the fact of a higher goal, Brahman, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Please help guide me to reach my goal of self-realization. So it depends. You have Everyone has faith. Otherwise, they wouldn't do the prayer. They wouldn't do the ritual. They have faith in that ritual that that God or goddesses will grant me my wish that I want. So it depends on your goal. Everyone has faith. Are you with me? Which way is the faith guided towards? What is my goal? Is it limited or absolute? My question to you was about the faith in the knowledge that one day it will take me to Brahman. That was my question. No, but your question also had gods and goddesses in there. Yeah, in a sense of, am I... Is that a limited goal or is that an absolute goal? You tell me, what is an absolute goal? When you want to become one with Brahman is an absolute goal. It's, that's what we covered. You read it. So absolute goal is self-realization. Limited goal, anything to do with the world is a limited goal in the world. Now, there's a gray area here which won't cover. Yeah, but you can say studying this core knowledge is also limited. It's only that experience when you become self-realized is the absolute, but we won't cover that right now before you ask this question. Kevin. Uh, I just wanted to add, I mean, I don't know if this is correct, but I think I think it comes down to intention, right? So, Sito mm -hmm. Mami, um, your intention to becoming self-realized, is that intention because you want to gain knowledge and then start your own classes and compete with any get Baba? Or is it because you wholeheartedly actually want to become self-realized and attain that higher form of happiness, then that intention would mean that the, your faith is in abs an absolute ideal, which means then again, your faith is in Brahman. Whereas that, the, the first example is, is that, you know, it's still the wrong intention, which is then an inner looking intention, which means it's then worldly, which means it becomes a limited ideal. I mean, I don't know if that's correct. I just think I will know. Makes absolute sense. Absolute sense. That's why I said uh, in, in earlier on that even studying this subject is a limited goal. Because what are you going to do once you've studied this subject? What are you going to do with that application? You're going to tell people, hey, I know what Bhagavad Gita is. Look, yeah, people do that. They want to make money out of the out of um, teaching this. They'll make uh, you know they want to go and talk, give talks, speeches. What is your intention by studying this? So even this knowledge can be a limited goal because of your intentions. What to do with that knowledge? You know, you could you could massage your ego. You guys don't know what you're talking about. I'll tell you, and then you start chanting one of the verses and explaining it and everything people oh i didn't know they knew that you're using the knowledge for limited goal massaging your ego so as kevil rightly said what is your intentions even studying this subject any questions So we're getting into the nitty gritty bit here now. What are you all here? The difference here is that people, if it is 
conditioned consciousness, yeah, consciousness within us helps us to see, hear, taste, touch. Without that spirit within us, we can't do anything. The pure consciousness within us. Now, are you in touch with the pure consciousness or are you in touch with the conditioned consciousness? That's the difference. If you identify with the pure consciousness, nothing troubles you in the world. You are the self. But if you focus on the conditioned consciousness, you're seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, you get involved, you have no idea of the pure consciousness, then you're in the world. So this is all internalizing everything to the pure consciousness. All my actions are the pure consciousness. I've told you this story before about Lord Buddha when he was traveling with his disciples, walking down the street and a householder came out and said, hey, you guys, he swore at Buddha and said, you're spoiling all these children. Why are you taking them? They should be in the world working, you know, doing worldly things. Why are you taking them? Why are you taking advantage of them? So these disciples got angry. Hey, I'm going to beat you up. You know, and they said to the Lord Buddha, uh, what are we going to do about him? Lord Buddha just ignored him and just carried on walking. Ignored his disciples. And these guys were getting angry at this guy. Then when they got to their destination, they had their dinner in the evening. They were having their satsang. The guy who, one of the disciples who got angry, he said, sir, that man, he swore at you, said so many bad things. But you ignored him. You didn't do anything. You didn't let us do anything. Why? What did he say? What did Lord Buddha say? You guys were hearing, seeing, touching, smelling, whatever you wanted to do. The conditioned consciousness you are identifying with. Me, I was identifying with the pure consciousness within me. All that was blocked. Nothing bothers me. He just walked on. He didn't hear anything, see anything, nothing. He's one with the pure consciousness. This is my focus. Whatever I do, I only think of the pure consciousness, Brahman. You guys are affected by all these things. You guys deal with it. I'm not affected by it. So when you think of what makes you see, what makes you hear, what makes you smell, you're converting every action to prayer. Then nothing bothers you. This is yagniya sacrifice in a nutshell, which is what we're going to cover. Yagniya sacrifice. If you perform all actions in this way, you attain Brahman self-realization. Any questions before Sittal reads paragraph three? The verse covers the two sets of yagnas, sacrifices, directed towards limited and absolute goals. It says some spiritual practitioners direct their efforts to devas, gods, while others direct them to Brahman, supreme reality. Devas refers to the variety of goals that people seek in this world, such as wealth and knowledge. The gods and goddesses 
devas symbolize these various worldly goals of human activity. For example, Goddess Lakshmi represents wealth. Goddess Saraswati represents knowledge. Apart from all these terrestrial goals, some seek the absolute goal of self-realization. The merging of the individual and the infinite Brahman. People invest their multifold activities for the achievement of these goals, whether terrestrial or transcendental. Whatever the fruit sought, yajna, sacrifice, provides the means to achieve it. Through yajna, through sacrificial efforts, directed towards a noble cause, you achieve your goals in life. Selfish and self-centered activities without an inspired ideal in mind, conflict with the principle of service and sacrifice. They do not fall in line with the spirit of yajna. Furthermore, such egocentric activities do not bring about success in your endeavors. So what it's saying is, yajna sacrifice, if you, practice, if, you do, if you act in this way, it allows us to achieve our goals, whether worldly or spiritual. Allows to achieve our goals, whether worldly or spiritual, transcendental. If you are selfish, self-centered, then this is a conflict with the concept of yajna sacrifice. You cannot achieve your goals, meaning even if you're successful, you won't be happy. You might say everyone, the selfish people seem to have the most wealth. True. It's saying you don't achieve your goals, but you might disagree and say, well, I know many people who are rich, wealthy, and they're selfish. Yeah, Dharmesh? But are they happy and content? What happened to Bernie Madoff? How rich was he? What happened to Weinstein? What happened to Epstein? These are rich people. All were successful. Where did they all end up? These examples I'm giving you, you might say, well, you know, here's wealthy people. They achieved their goal, did they? Look where they ended up. But if all of them acted with the yajna sacrifice unselfishly, they'll be rich and They'll still be having their status right now. They'll be, they wouldn't be where they are. What's in it for me? How can I get what I want? That's why they've ended up there. So there are 12 classifications covering all of human activities. This is covered as receipt of stimuli from the world. We hear, see, touch, taste, and then the reaction with the mind and intellect and response back to the world. This is how we act, all of us act in this way. But this is what we're gonna cover. And what we covered now is the two first yajnas, limited and absolute goals. Any questions? In verse 10 of chapter three, Krishna says that the creator created humanity with the power 
of yajna. Yajna signifies actions dedicated to a high ideal and performed with a spirit of service and sacrifice. Through yajna activities, people enjoy prosperity and peace. The human species alone has been blessed with this gift of yajna. From the very beginning of creation, creation emerged along with yajna. So if creation is to fold back to its source of Brahman, then yajna will be the last to dissolve. When yajna itself is given up, creation can no longer be sustained. The dissolution of the created world marks the unfoldment of Brahman. Hence, this verse claims that you reach Brahman by oblating the very capacity to sacrifice, by offering yajna into the fire of Brahman. Okay, not to worry about too much of that. When humans were created, it says, God is saying, I created them with this power of sacrifice. With this, they can attain anything in life. So we are born with this capacity, this power. This is what it's saying. No other animal can do it. A dog cannot say after you and be unselfish. Only humans can do this sacrifice of selfless actions of diluting your ego. So we're born with that capacity, saying. I created mankind with the capacity of yajna sacrifice to attain whatever they want in the world. God sorry, can't hear Sorry. you. Can you put your microphone next to you? Sorry. sorry. Turn it. What part? Did you hear any of it? Okay. So God is saying in this verse, Brahman is saying, I created human mankind with this power of yajna. It's part of their capacity. No other animals have this capacity. So the capacity itself to sacrifice you're putting in the fire, sacrificing your ego. That's what it's saying, but don't worry too much about that. So next five verses, we cover the next 10 yajnas. You won't find this explanation in any other version of the Gita, by the way. Swamiji spends about six months trying to work out what does this 12 yajnas mean. So it's all his hard work and effort. And I said, it does take a little thinking to understand it. Any questions? We've covered quite a lot today. Any questions? So think about it. If you have questions, we'll take them up next week. But remember, you were created with the power of yajna to attain whatever you want in life, whatever you want in the world, limited or absolute ideal. You just have to learn how to use it. Yeah, so. Do you think that it's only by achieving our limited goals can we achieve the absolute? The, the example, for example, is if I am not able to, I suppose, sustain myself by having one meal a day, I haven't got a roof over my head. Um, my goal is going to be 
that I want to first concentrate on that. Like it, I wouldn't have the capacity. So first we have to, I suppose, there's extremes I know, like the examples you gave, but once those, I suppose, limited, relative limited goals are achieved, because right now I could say, I still want more in the world and concentrate on that. Or I can say to myself, you've got so much, now is the time mm. that I've got the most fortunate time to think of the absolute. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Anybody? Your basics has to be met. No one in this class is a pauper. Your basics have to be met before you can think of the higher state. Because otherwise your mind is thinking, where am I gonna get my next meal from? How am I gonna pay the rent for next month? My children, their needs, et cetera, et cetera. How can you even think of for a moment? They might think you're selfish. Your partner might say you're selfish. You know, our needs aren't meant and you're just thinking of yourself. So the basics need to be met before you can think beyond it. Yeah. Now, but the thing is, what is the basics? That's another question in itself. And that's, the, that's where we uh, can um, split. My basics is I need to live in a 20 bedroom house, a free cars, you know, so. That's down to the individual. Yeah, is that okay? So, great. Any other questions? Great. Okay. We'll see you next week. Thank you.